even at this distance. Nothing. He felt oddly disappointed, hearing only the whirr of moth wings, seeing the flicker of a bat, an owl hooted down in the woods. Nothing else disturbed the silence. He lowered his head and walked on, down a flight of steps towards the glimmer of water, along a mossy path to the grotto. Chain Gang Greg's photograph. A huge 18th century mansion standing alone. It is built in classical style, weighty, monumental, symmetrical. The frontage is of Portland stone. Twin flights of steps rise to the pillared main entrance. The central section is surmounted by a decorative triangular panel sculpted with reclining figures and a Latin inscription. At a glance, you'd think you were looking at a stately home, a National Trust property, perhaps. Only when you look properly do you see that the door and windows are blank, that there is no roof, and that the house is an empty shell. "'You can't do it,' said Faith. "'You can't make a bargain with God.' Greg would always remember her saying that, in the grotto, where cold sunlight on the lake rippled patterns of light on the curve of the wall. She sat shrugged into her fleece jacket, her hands tucked up inside the sleeves. Her eyes were dark and intense. She was a girl in a shell, cupped and held like a pearl in an oyster. He saw her as part of an accidentally beautiful composition. Dark hair and eyes, scarlet fleece, Tile fragments in a swirling pattern behind her. Frame, click, went his mental camera. These were the photographs that stayed in his mind, the ones he hadn't taken. The first time they met, at the end of summer, he saw her as bossy, imperious. She manipulated him. He was trespassing. The burnt-out mansion was visible from the main road, sometimes a silhouette on its ridge, sometimes golden in sunlight. Out on his bike, with hours of Sunday freedom ahead, he had let curiosity reel him in. He cycled past the sign that said, Graveney Hall, Private, on the lodge gates, and on down the long driveway to the ruined mansion, with its commanding position over acres of wheat fields and woods. If it hadn't been for the cars parked along the front drive, he would have poked about, inside and out, taking photographs, ignoring the danger signs. He hadn't expected anyone to be here and was annoyed. The day was still and humid. Sweat trickled between his shoulder blades and down his back. He leaned his bike against the fence and stood gazing up at the vast shell. Must have been some fire, he thought, to destroy a place this size. It was roofless, open to the sky. All the doors and windows were huge, as if the house had been inhabited by giants. Most of the outer walls were intact, but through a door beneath the steps he glimpsed piles of collapsed brick and nettles and even slender trees growing out of the debris. Although the house must be past repair, he saw people working inside, a team of them, shoveling, hacking at the layer of sediment that coated the ground, carting stones in wheelbarrows. 
A woman with a tray of mugs was picking her way across the rough floor. He hung back, expecting to be challenged, but they were all absorbed in their tasks. Retreating, he found a way through the makeshift fence that ran along the farther side of the house, making the place look like a building site. The house was almost as deep as it was wide. There were remains of brick walls here, perhaps from extensions or a conservatory. Making his way round to the back, he emerged into an expanse of derelict garden. He saw a pair of stone summer houses and a balustrade dividing the garden into two levels. From the driveway, you wouldn't know this was here at all. He took two photographs, imagining how the garden must have looked a hundred and fifty, two hundred years ago. There must have been statues, fountains, the lot, and a